0: Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altzan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291 and you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. I don't know what the weather's like where you are, but I see... Kind look, of a dreary day kind here. Kind of a dreary day. Got nothing better to do. Just give us a call. There you go. <laughs> we'll chat you up. We Got all our lines wide open. Appreciate hearing from you. And you're like, every single week, we always kind of a guideline topic that we right. more or less discuss between calls, but... As always, it's not ever limited to that topic. Anything that happens to be on your mind and be glad to try to help you out. There you go. (laughs) Just in case you don't get a chance to call in. Or maybe something occurs to you during the week or even after the radio show at eleven oh two. There you go. (laughs) You can go to our website and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is a g c O -O A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, a little form is going to pop up with the vehicle you're working on, the mileage, and the place for the, the complaint that you have or the symptom that's going on. And then just hit the button and send it on in to us. There you go. Get asked back to you within we'll 24 hours, sometimes a lot sooner, just depending on where I happen to be relative to a computer. That's it. <laughs> Take that <particular laughs> instance. You know, one of the biggest email that I receive, or even questions at the shop, well, lots and lots of times folks will have a fairly major repair that they need done. And it's always, well, do I do this? Do I go get another car? Blah, 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 that sort of a thing. And I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about that right. today. And typically, I think that some folks either have a misconception or just don't grasp the concept that transportation costs money sure nobody rides free and that's just the way the world is you're going to be a responsible human being you have to carry your own weight and pay for your own things that you need right of course you do that by offering services to other people providing other people things they need and you get paid and so on as that the way the economy just works but there is a cost associated with transportation now that's pretty clear when you buy a car because you get that monthly note Mm -hmm. and so that 5 6 dollars a month whatever it might be that is your cost of transportation or at least part of your cost part of transportation of it, yeah. obviously it doesn't include the gasoline you put into the car the insurance diesel cup, fuel the insurance, insurance, insurance even the maintenance the sure. oil changes and all that if you i guess are unfortunate enough to lease a car then your lease payment pretty much represents your, your cost car payment, of right. owning a vehicle or cost of transportation but what a lot of folks do not realize is that once you get your car paid for right when you make, make that s- last, payment. last payment there's still a cost of transportation involved. Now sure. you don't make the note every single month like you did before but there is a cost. It's a cumulative thing because every single time you start your vehicle it is start is wearing out. Sure. From the day it was manufactured the first time you ever cranked it it was wearing out every time. If you had a number For instance, let's say you can start this car 1,000 times before something breaks. Then we could take the cost of whatever breaks, divide it by 1,000. That was the cost each and every time you cranked the car. Okay. And that's sort of kind of how you have to think about cost of transportation because it is a real cost. Now, the point is you can buy a new car, and you know roughly, if you look at certain cars, what it's going to cost you per month. So... If you can drive for less than that, then that's obviously better. How much less depends on how well you choose the car to start with and how How well you you. take care of the car. Mm -hmm. But there's going to still be a number there. Now, you don't pay it every month. So that means it makes it a little more difficult. Because what happens, let's say you're budgeting, and I'm just going to use $500 a month average car note. Okay. You're budgeting that $500 a month. Well, every month you know you got to have it. You cough it up. You spend it. Da nah, da, nah. you pay the last note, well, that five hundred dollars now gets dispersed to other things, sure, whatever you maybe it's, go it's buy, extra money now, yeah, you maybe go buy something else, maybe you pay off some bills with it, whatever, but if you were to take and let's say let's say we gonna take half of that two fifty a month, okay, and I'm gonna put that into an account, and that's gonna be my cost of transportation account, okay. All right. So I'm gonna keep on making half the payment. So now I've cut my cost of transportation roughly in half. I'm gonna put that into this fund. Now, when my car breaks, I'm gonna go to this fund and I'm gonna take the money out Mm -hmm. and pay for the repair. If you could do if you had the discipline to do that, then you could watch that account and if that account is gaining money, then you're doing pretty darn good. Right. If the account's losing money, then you have to start looking at different options. And it would just make it more visible to you. Sure. But let's say we have a big repair to schedule for. Let's say uh, we have a $2,400 repair. Well, the way we can look at that is that's about $200 a month for a year. Okay. So I got a car. It's maybe six years old, seven years old. It has maybe 140,000 miles on it. It needs a $2,400 repair. Is that a viable thing to do? Well, you have to look at all your options. Look at the options. First off, go and have a general inspection done on the car if you haven't had that done recently. Now, the guy does the full general inspection on the car. He comes back and says, well, you know, other than this problem, I don't see a whole lot else wrong with the car. Mm-hmm. The tires are pretty good. The brakes are pretty good. Air conditioning condition cools good. Transmission's shifting fine. The fluid is clean. Cooling system's in pretty good shape. Well, now, you have to ask, if I do this, if I make this repair... Can I reasonably expect to go one year without any other major uh Without repair? a major repair. If the answer is yes, then it's a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. Because now you're spending roughly half of what you were spending before on a cost of transportation. It's not that you're going to get by free. That's never, no, ever going to happen. happen. Even if you buy a brand new car, you may still have things you have to do to it well sure but of course obviously a lot of it's going to be under warranty it's included in the price of the car well i mean how many times have you gone to a dealership and walked out to the service department and the the racks are full of brand brand new new cars cars. yeah absolutely happens all the time if it's under warranty you just paid for it in advance it was part of the cost of that car sure Uh, that's another thing folks don't understand when you get a warranty repair you're not getting anything for free a percentage of the price you pay for the car included the anticipated repairs they knew they were going to have to make. So you just pay for your repairs up front. But that's just a way to cut your cost of transportation down. Now, let's say you do excellent maintenance on the car and your repairs are very low. Well, at the end of the term, when you get to a point where you say, I'm just ready for another car, you're probably going to have enough money left in this account to put a pretty darn good down payment on another car. Now, alternatively, let's say when we got to the end of the car payments, we just kept making the entire payment into a savings-type account. Most likely, within four to five years, you'd have enough money to buy another car cash Mm -hmm. if you chose to. If you chose to. Or take a big vacation somewhere. (laughs) The point is, every time you start your car, there's going to be a cost associated with that. It's never going to be free. Right. And just because the car is paid off doesn't mean it's free. You just have to learn how to think that way. And I remember I worked for a gentleman many, 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 many years ago, and this guy had amassed quite a amount of money in mm-hmm. his lifetime. He owned about 15 really, really big grocery stores. Okay. And this is way back in the 1960s, but these were big stores with 15, 20 cash registers each. Some of them had pharmacies in them. Some of them had a car care center. Right. Kind of like what you see today, but this was way back, way ahead of his time. And I got to kind of know this guy some because I admired him and he kind of uh, became my mentor and he always say, he says Lewis do you want to be well to do when you when you grow up? I say yeah I would like that very much. He mm-hmm. says well then watch the poor people and don't do what they do. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. Yeah, yeah. I, That's like like, like sage <laughs> wisdom. And what happens if you notice and I don't want to stereotype anybody but if you notice the people who generally always seem to be struggling they always seem to be struggling because right. they do a lot of stuff that Brings on the problems that they have. And the thing is, if you notice the people who have money, they tend to budget. Sure. They tend to plan. They just tend to control their own life rather than just floating around letting life control them. Okay. And, you know, this is just one way to do that. Uh, I guess you could do the same thing with a house or anything else. Sure. Because it's the same sort of a scenario. You buy a house and not a whole lot's going to go wrong for the first 10 or 15 years. But then. It needs a roof. Yeah, the roof. Are you painting? Uh, The washer's going to go out. The dryer's going to go out. Refrigerator. Yeah, all the appliances. It's just the cost of owning a house. No different than the cost of owning a car. Just a little bigger. Just a little bigger. (laughs) (laughs) But we got to, you know, kind of, if we kind of budget for that, then we can be a whole lot better because instead of having these, oh my God moments, moments, where is this money going to come from and go put it on a 22% credit card? Exactly. We can have the money to get this done and it's going to flow just a whole, whole lot easier for you. Hey, take our first quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour.
1: I get your kicks. Hello, you must be Glenda Goodwitch. Relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate and if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues, uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance and let you know about future repairs. That way, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! loo that little witch might not be so good after all get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at agco automotive agco it's the place to go hey welcome back You're Just join us us the automotive hour i'm your host Louis
0: Aldezan with mr brian terry We've got all our lines wide open be glad to take a call from you and try to help you out and point you in the right direction our number is 291-6901 and that will get you right to us and we can get your questions answered very quickly whatever they may be and we were talking a little bit and just about to wind the topic up but uh-huh. something else i want to add or you actually came up with it but all of this is predicated on one thing and that is does the vehicle still do what you need it to do at that point right so what we're saying is let's say you have a toyota corolla and you're coming up with a repair that you know is pretty substantial but you bought a fifth wheel trailer and your little your other truck is too small to tow it. Now is the time to bail on this little car, mm-hmm. even though the the repair is is not going to total the car out. But you need a bigger vehicle, right? So now is the time to bail on it. Another case in point would be sometimes you just don't like a vehicle. Sure, it got bought and paid for, and you just Whatever. don't like it you know laughingly kind of like the buick that we had i Uh love that car i really did it was comfortable it got good gas my my wife hated that car yeah Yeah. (laughs) i think she hated that car from the day we bought it and at some point in time even though this car is still very usable still very good life is too short not to have the things you want sure if you just want a new car or another car and you can afford it god bless you go get another car that's gonna make you happy then do it you know don't You don't go through life as a miser, never having anything you ever want. Right. But if you like the car, it does what you want, and it's in reasonably good condition, then repairing it is always going to be a lot less expensive than Than replacing it. Oh, yeah. And if you have maintained the car, then it's going to probably be quite a bit less expensive. Well, and the thing about it, if you've you've maintained this car very well, you have all your records, you know where this car's been, you know what's happened to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas if you get rid of it and you go buy another used car, you're not real sure where this car's been and what's been done to it. Well, how it's been taken care of is, like that old saying, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Exactly. But if you just don't like the car... Yeah, it's Or, you know, let's say you've had a new addition to your family. Maybe Maybe you... We're expecting a child, and you got twins. all right Well, if you've got a little sports car, that's, that's not going to cut it anymore. No probably not going to be practical. <laughs> a a two door vehicle is not going to cut it anymore. Not well, I can tell practical you. for the next several years. Well, I can these tell you from experience, grow up and, <laughs> and move on. That's right. So that would be another time when you just got to look at sure. something else. It's just not practical to go ahead and go with what you got. But that I would say is probably the less common thing, right? That goes on. Another thing that. We see a lot is where a vehicle, let's say it's been a problematic vehicle for some reason. And we used to see this a lot where a car would be wrecked. It'd be involved in a collision. Uh-huh. And maybe the frame would be bent on the car. And at that time, the state of the art on frame repair was not as good as what it is today. Sure, They weren't able to get it back exactly right. And so you would have these continuing, continuing nagging little problems. Because when the chassis on a car is bent, it may not show up as one thing. It may show up as all Several sorts of things, different things. Right. You know, one of the most common things maybe the car pulls to the right when you drive or pulls to the left when you drive. You take it in, you have the front end aligned, you get it back, it's still pulling to the right. Mm-hmm. You take it back, they jack around with it is still pulling right why is this happening well i don't know something's wrong with the car and the average tire store may not have the wherewithal to diagnose that problem right most of the time they'll look at the machine it throws numbers up there and, and it's got a color chart red is bad green is good everything's green but it still pulls right that's as far as they can go they don't know how to go any further than that well and they don't have the wherewithal to to, measure. to do anything with it, if, if to measure, or even to do to anything with it if they did find the problem. Another thing that I know we see, because at ADCO, we started out as a frame and alignment shop. Right. That was our primary business, and we expanded into a lot of other things. But one of the things we would see a lot is a guy would say, well, this thing keeps wearing out, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Name a component. Maybe it's drive axle. I've changed the drive axle three times in the last two years, and it keeps wearing out. Right. Well, what you would find is the chassis is bent, so the mountings of the engine to the suspension have changed, and possibly this U-joint, excuse me, this drive axle is bottoming out now. Another thing we would get along with that is, like, when I make a hard right turn, I got a vibration in the car, Mm -hmm. and nobody can find it. And, I mean, you'd go in and find this axle is designed to where it, pivots on the outboard joint but the inboard joint has to plunge in and out as the The suspension moves up and down down. also when you swing a corner kind of hard that engine weighs a whole lot so it kind of shifts over to one side which inevitably when the motor shifts it lets the joint on the inboard side Mm -hmm. come out and the joint on the inboard side go in right and it'll it'll actually shift over and bottom one of the axles out. Well, inertia is going to carry that weight over. And because it's sitting in rubber, even if you don't have a broken motor mount, it's going to shift a little bit. Sure. If And that's allowed for when all you design a car. There's about maybe one inch of travel on that inboard joint, and it's somewhere in the center. So you've got maybe a half inch either way. Mm-hmm. But let's say it's been in an accident. Something's got the lower arm mount's gotten rolled, rolled under, under, and maybe they came in and they did something else to get it to drive pretty straight. Well, when what happens when that arm mount goes under, the camera goes up, right? Well, most people will look at it and say, well, the camera's just too high, we'll drop it back in at the strut. Right. Well, now you've taken that half an inch out of the suspension travel for that joint mm-hmm. because you took, the bottom is already in too far, right. and then you brought the top band to match it, to match it, to get the camera correct, so now that there's no more in play on that axle. so And a lot of that can go undetected by somebody that doesn't do that type of work, right. or it's it takes a, a skilled professional to try to find that kind of stuff. To even know what to measure or what to check. Yeah, you're driving along straight, and you got maybe an eighth of an inch of clearance there. So an eighth of an inch is as good as an inch if nothing changes. Right. It's just sitting there turning. But then when you go to turn that corner and that weight of the engine shifts over that eighth of an inch, well, now that joint bottoms out. Mm-hmm. And when that joint bottoms out, it's three little part, tripods in there. You can feel bump, 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 which is a big vibration in exactly. the car. And that's one of those things that, Like you said, the average shop is just not going to understand what's going on because he's not used to dealing with With a chassis that is bent. They look at it, and if they don't see any bends in it, they can say, well, it's straight. Mm -hmm. And it's just that's the limit of what they can do. They don't have the instrumentation to check it. They don't have equipment to fix it if they could check it. Exactly. Now, if you got the same vehicle with a broken motor mount, the problem is amplified many, many times. Well, Sure. Because that that engine is going to shift over even farther. Most of those mounts are rubber bonded. It's a round um, cylinder type mount, and it's got a sleeve in the center, and all of it's bonded together. Mm -hmm. So if the rubber comes unbonded, the motor can shift over. It's not going to come out of the vehicle because you've got two ears on each side of that round disc. So the motor's not going to come out. But it will move over farther than it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. We used to run into that a lot on the uh, caravan, mm-hmm. the Dodge caravan of uh, back late nineties, I believe. Yeah, it, was. it had a big mount in the front that held the engine in place. Right, and those and it were kind of bad about breaking. Yeah, and when they did, that motor would shift over and it would bottom the joints out. To check for it, you could actually unbolt the nut on each side of the spindle and mm-hmm. shove the axle in. Right, and the axle should go in the same amount. And on what each you would side. and what you would find is the left one would go in halfway. And then the right one would go in all the way. Yeah. So the motor was shifted over. And you start looking for motor mounts, and you'd find a, a broken one, and the motor was shifted. So. Or sometimes it would just bend the two front frame horns. And because that's attached to the radio sport is welded to the frame horns, all that shifted. Well, when that shifted, the motor shifted, too. When it got hit in the front. And these are the kinds of things you see with that. Nobody ever relates that back to the wreck you had right. four, four, years four years ago. ago. <laughs> and. Let's say you got in a wreck, the front frame horns got shoved over, they pulled them back enough to get the sheet metal to line up. Or worse yet, they modified the sheet metal to fit the bent part, Slotted the holes out or whatever. I've seen that happen. Mm-hmm, a lot of times. Well, now you've got all this stuff, but it still is not showing a symptom right then. Mm-hmm. What it's doing is putting a lot of strain on that motor mount. Sure. So now the motor mount takes two years, it fatigues and, and fails. Breaks. Well, now the whole motor can move easily. So now you pick up a bad vibration on turns.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's been two years since the car was wrecked. Right, so you this, just is don't, the, this is a new problem in the mix. All you feel is a vibration when I turn. So after you go in and you change the wheelbarrow and you change the tires and you change all the things that people tell you to change right. because nobody's actually went in and measured and detected it, then you eventually come up, either get rid of the car. or That happens a lot. Yeah, you bring it to somebody who is able to detect these kinds of things. And we get that kind of stuff a lot. And with Framework, like I said, there's not one symptom that you're ever going to see necessarily. Sometimes we'll get people come in and say, my car or my truck looks like it's going down the road sideways. Right. And we, we refer to that as dog tracking. Dog tracking. You can drive behind the vehicle and you can see down one side of the vehicle from the back. You can see the front bumper. And on the other side, you can't see the front bumper when you're riding behind it. Mm-hmm. What has happened is the axle has shifted. Well, when it does, it just moves the body over. The axle is going to track straight. Right. But it's not straight under the vehicle anymore. It's right. so not the straight vehicle, relative to the, so the vehicle metal. tracks. And, you know, a number of things can cause that. On a frame-type vehicle with a full frame, they have what they call a diamond. That's where right. one rail shows behind the other. Because the axle, the rear axle, is attached to the frame rails, it shifts also. So the car starts dog-track. Yep. But you can also get punched in the front. And move the front cross Well, now the four wheels are no longer in line with each other. So it will look exactly like the same thing, but from a standpoint of repair, it's It's a totally totally different different repair. Totally different. You go in, and when you start doing your measurements, then you can find what has been knocked out of place. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you can tie it down on this frame machine, and with a skilled person that knows what he's doing, he can put everything back in place, and the vehicle's as well as it was before yeah, the accident yeah, back to a pre-accident condition and true diamond is something that you're going to see on a frame type vehicle that's a right. vehicle that has a separate frame from the body right for instance a pickup truck or a suburban an suv of some sort rural rear wheel drive suv will have a separate frame it's got a big iron frame or steel frame the body sits on top of that on the mount on mounts you hit that frame and one rail goes behind the other it's just like taking a square you take a square and you move one side make it into a diamond then you have a diamond that's right and that's what that's the reference for and because the axles attach to the frame they move also correct so then the car start our vehicle starts to dog track now on a unit body car that's a car where everything's well together you're really not ever going to have that situation if if, if you, you do, do, the car's total. Right. <laughs> if you do, there's going to be a big old kink across the roof. Yeah. You know, it, you, it's not going to move it's that way. Generally, you'd have to buckle the floorboard and buckle the roof. Right. So that is generally going to be a non-repairable car. If it gets hard enough to diamond a unibody, it's, it's it's total. It's not going to be in a repair shop. <laughs> you know, it's going to be in a, in a bony right. yard somewhere. So it's not a problem you see there, although you do see the dog tracking there. You do because the both the rear wheels are hanging on the bottom of the car and each have a, a separate toe adjustment on them. Mm-hmm. On most vehicles, some have a, a solid axle where the toe has to be set with shims, but the one I'm referring to actually has a strut spring assembly and links that hook it to the body, and there's a toe adjustment on each wheel. Now, if you get the toe adjustment, the the total toe can be correct, but if the tracking is not right, right. if one it, wheel's in and one wheel's out by it, the same amount, the total toe is correct, correct, but the car dog tracks. Right. So that could be as simple as just an improper alignment. Now same thing if it gets punched in the front the front can get get shoved over again the four wheels are not going to track with each other so So it's going to look that way it's going to look like it's dog tracking although it is a separate issue from a standpoint of repair correct hey second little break be right back with more in the automotive hour
1: Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr... Hervoted supervillain, art nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Some days... I just want a garden. Herr Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super-evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to AGCO for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know AGCO could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G-19 Thermonuclear Urban Assault carcopter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco—it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back! The if just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your
0: host, be Louis Alzam, with Mister Brian with Terry. We were chatting a little bit about framework, chassis repair, sure. and such as that. But of course, we'll take a call any question you may have. Anything that might be on your mind, you give us a call. We're going to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That we will. One of the other misconceptions that we find with frame and chassis repair is that most people assume, well, the car must have been wrecked. Okay. That is not necessarily true. Right. Let's just take, for instance, a low caster situation. You're mm-hmm. Driving down the road, and you didn't see that big pothole that just appeared overnight, and bam, you hit it with the right front wheel. Well, now the car pulls to the right. And that all can be straightened out with a proper frame repair. Mm-hmm. What we'll do is... Nine times out of ten, the arm gets bent, but the component where the arm hooks to the chassis also gets bent. Right. So just by putting a new arm on it, you don't bring the caster back up to where it needs to be. So in that case, you can take this vehicle, put it on the frame machine, and reach and grab that arm and get it back in, get that mount back in place, get the caster correct, and the vehicle drives just like it did before. That's right. And of course, that's one way that right damage can occur. Another is if you run off the road, people sometimes will run into a ditch or something like that. That is an impact to the suspension of that car. So it doesn't care if you're hitting another car or hitting a hole in the road or a big concrete block or whatever. It causes things to move around and bend. And the thing about today's vehicles with so much technology in them, there's so much more components under there that are are vulnerable now Mm -hmm. to being run off the road. You have uh, electric power steering racks now. Right. And those are very vulnerable to impact. They don't show it right away. Some of the symptoms, you know, you might have a, you're driving down the road and all of a sudden the steering wheel starts jerking to one side or the mm-hmm. other. Uh, a lot of times that is the motor on the power steering rack right. going out from damaged, an impact. Uh, impact that may have occurred six months or a year ago. Sure. Sometimes just the check steering light may come on. Mm-hmm. And on and on it goes. Now, another way that cars can get damaged is from improper towing. We see that a lot. Somehow or another, maybe the wrecker goes to pick the car up. and In fact, we've got an older car in there right now. That uh, guy was pulling it up on a rail, rollback, dropped the car. Right. I am not don't know the situation exactly, but it rolled off the, the back of the rollback mm-hmm. uh, onto the ground. And those sit up, what, five feet? Uh, there, four and a half, five up feet in, air, up in yeah. the air. Did a substantial amount of damage to it. That's right. Another way that we have seen, I hadn't seen this as much recently, but in years past, is a car can be damaged in transportation. Be it on the back of a train where they load them up and right. tie them down, be it on the back of a transport truck, whatever. If they don't bind this car down properly, for instance, if they put a cinch strap on either side and cinch that down too tightly, Mm-hmm. Then you're bouncing down the road or the railroad or whatever it is for thousands of miles, you can damage the suspension or the the chassis of the car. I I remember I was working at a dealership way back, and uh, we had an Astro van. When they first came out, Mm -hmm. they unloaded it off the transport truck, and every half revolution of the back wheels, you'd hear squeak. And come to find out, they pulled it down so tight, either on the transport truck or on the train Mm -hmm. uh, transport. That they bent the axles in the rear end. Mm-hmm. We had to tear the rear end apart and change the axles in it. Yeah, I remember many, many years ago we had a whole truckload of these were Dodge pickups, and some transport driver had bound them down too tight, right? And actually twisted the frames. Twisted frame. the frames. Yeah, I remember that. And if you think of a frame kind of like a ladder, like a right, like a big step ladder, not a step, a big extension, extension ladder. ladder. Right. If you got four giants, one on either end of the ladder, and Two of them are diagonally from each other pushed up, and the other two pushed down. They would twist that ladder through the center. Yep. Well, it's the same thing with a frame on the car. If you twist that center, usually the first symptom you're going to notice is it's going to start leaning. Sure. Because now two wheels are carrying more load than the other two wheels. You may notice that it's unstable at high speed because it tends to rock on the road.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And these are the kinds of things you see. It came from transport. You bought the car new, you never maybe noticed it, and then what happens is the car may have been leaning when you bought it, but it wasn't leaning enough to catch your eye. Right. But because two springs are carrying more load than the other two, those two springs start to fatigue over time. Now it's really leaning. Right, and it's mostly going to lean toward the weakest spring. Right. And the most weight. And usually the most weight is in the front of a vehicle. And that's where you're going to see most of it. But as one corner goes down, the other one comes up. That's right. So it kind of looks like the whole side of the car is leaning, right. whereas it's twisted in the center. When, when one corner goes down, the other corner goes up. And if you jack up on the front corner, the back corner goes down. Right. And so on. So the only way to correct this leaning problem is to go in and straighten out the chassis on to, the car. To untwist it. Mm-hmm. Take the twist out of it. And that can occur on a unit body. That can occur on a frame vehicle, either sure. one. Another place that could happen is, that, let's say, the car slides off the road and goes into a ditch, and two wheels go down diagonal from each other. You can twist the chassis on the vehicle. Yep. That's one of those fairly common things we see. Of course, in an impact, the same thing can happen. It can twist in the center from the impact. It can get what they call a sag at the cow, where the frame rail goes back over the wheel and bends or buckles right there at the cow panel, and that right. sags down. That's that is that's not a twist, but it kind of looks like a twist. It's it's kind of taken out in the same fashion mm-hmm. when you when you go to straighten it out. You still have to, to square the center section first. The center section is the center of the vehicle, and that is where everything else is repaired from. Right. So you get the center right. Then you can start on the ends and work as, your way out. As you look at it, a lot of times you can take it all out in one pull. Mm-hmm. Because if if you you know where to block and how to measure and how to change. If you know what you're doing and you analyze it very well before you start, one pull, because it all went in at the same time. Exactly. You can reverse that process. That is much, much, much easier than going in trying to fix each separate thing. Oh, most definitely. And that brings up two things. One is if you get a car that's been repaired before, someone has tried to straighten the frame and didn't do it properly. Right. It's going to be much, much harder repair it properly now because what they've done is they've meant other areas trying to straighten the ones they've had exactly and a lot of times the the frame has a memory it wants to go back to where it was originally built but right now it's twisted so if you can get it back in the first try mm-hmm. a lot of times it'll fall right back in place and everything will be great but what happens is like you mentioned you know somebody gets in there and they they pull it over and they pull it too far well, now it has got another memory mm-hmm And then they bend this part to make this fit. Worse yet, they heat something up and and destroy the the metal. Right. And then you're... Now you really messed up. Right. Another big, big, big thing. You get a guy, and let's say he wrecks his pickup truck. He's looking at all these bent up parts. He notices the frame is bent. So he wants to do something. He desperately wants to do something. He can't straighten the frame. So he starts taking all the parts off. Exactly. Then he brings it to the shop with all the parts off. Well, the first thing I'm going to tell him, okay, go put everything back on it and bring it to me the way it was. Right, because it was bent with all the parts on it. That's right. He may think, hey, I'm going to make it easier. I'm going to take all the stuff, and get it out of the way, save some money. In reality, what happens is that every part on there is lending strength to the assembly. It all bent at the same time. Right. And if I grab this frame horn and I start pulling it down, and the core port's there, and the fenders there, and everything's on it, the pull all course- that is going to pull back the way that it bent so it's going to all come out if you've taken all these parts off what you've done is you've weakened that part considerably so when i pull here it's not going to bring out all the transfer damage for instance when this frame rail goes up it shoves up the course port it shoves the fender back it may bend the mounts at the cow on the body well if all that's on there when i pull the frame rail back down that mount on the cow is going to come back out It's got all pulled right back into place. Right. If you've taken all that off, now, yeah, I got the frame straight, but the fender won't fit because the cow's back. Well, that is a separate operation. I got to go in and try to pull it. It takes an extra pull, whereas if everything was together, it would all come out as one. Well, not only that, but it's very hard to find something strong enough to grab onto to get that, that out. Right. You've got that fender there. It's already bolted on in all the places, so you spread that load out over an area. Instead of trying to pull one point. The same exact way it went in. Right. Plus, since I'm dealing with damaged parts, I can't damage them any further. Exactly. So I've got a real handy thing to grab and pull from. What I'm doing is I'm reversing the forces that were in the collision. So that happens a lot. And I understand people are trying to save money now, but that's not the way to do it. No. The way to do it is to engage the frame shop or chassis shop first. That is the first part of the repair. That's another thing will happen is that people will go in, they'll repair the car completely, then they go to put something on it doesn't fit. Well, now they want to bring it to the frame shop. Right. Well, and I've gotten them already painted before. Yeah. You know, the parts are on, hung, and painted, and they don't fit. Well, now it's leaning two inches one way, or the tire's hitting the fender well, or whatever. So you have to go in and you got to fix the structure before you can fix the cosmetics. And right. the fenders and the hoods and everything you see on the outside is the cosmetics. Well, it will be The foundation like, is not right. It's sort of like going into a house with a sagged foundation. Let's say uh, something's collapsed under the house and, and the whole thing. And you go in there and you take all the sheetrock off, put new sheetrock, you paint it, you hang new wallpaper, you do all that. And then you go get the floor jacked back yeah. up. Well, what's going to happen? All that sheetrock is going to buckle and crack yep. because it was all nailed on to a crooked assembly. So when you go in and you put all that back on, then you've damaged all the new stuff. So the foundation has to be correct before you can do any of the cosmetics. That That's correct. And it's the same exact thing with a car. Before any work is done, the chassis should be checked. The frame should be checked. It should be corrected before anything else. Before exactly. you take any parts off, before you disassemble anything, certainly before you do any cosmetic work or before you try to do any yeah. like, paint work or any of that kind of stuff. and. If you don't do it in that fashion, it's going to be a lot more painful to you. It's going to be a lot more expensive for you. Sure, because you're doing the work twice. Yeah, at, at least. You've already had the, the, the cosmetics done, and if they get happen to get damaged during the repair, they've got to be redone. Mm-hmm. So you paid for that repair twice. That's right. You know, another thing that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with framework is that all the parts in the suspension not only have to be lined up, laterally and diagonally and all that but they have to be level one with another correct for instance if you've got a cross member that has gotten twisted and the rack and pinion is attached to that cross member what that does if you know what you're looking for and you look at it carefully you'll see the two inner tie rods come down at different angles now because the lower control arm mounting points didn't move did not move but the rack and pinion did right now as long as you're driving perfectly straight and nothing changes, you're not going to hardly notice that. But what happens is that when the car hits a bump and you go through jounce, rebound, because those angles are different, the rack and pinion is not going to pivot in the same phase that the lower control arms do. And what it's going to do is going to cause the wheels to turn when the suspension moves up and down. Right, because... As it was designed, when the suspension jounces, the toe changes. It goes in, in together or, out, or, or out together equally, so it cancels out. Right, so you don't notice it. But if you have it out of level, then when you hit that jounce, one toe's out, one toe's in. When all of a sudden the vehicle changes lanes when you hit a bump, nobody can figure out why. It's called bump steer. Exactly. And what happens? You you're just driving down the road. You hit a dip in the road, the car was jumping in a lane. Mm-hmm. You're like, whoa, what was that? And I have seen just inordinate amounts of money spent oh, yeah. trying to fix that problem. Sure, but you're not going to fix it bolting stuff on or adjusting stuff because it is a frame or chassis type problem. Right, the same exact thing can happen in the rear where the rear control arms get out of level with the chassis with the body, and the tie rods that go back there, and you'll get probably even more severe yeah. symptom. Because it's sort of like a forklift. If you turn the back wheels on a forklift, man, it's going to swing. That's sure. why they put the steering on the back to make it where you can get into little tight spots real, 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 easy. It didn't work well for a vehicle. Not so much for a car. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, if you've got something out of level, then all that is going to have to be put back into level. Right. If not, when you hit dips in the road and that suspension goes jounce rebound, you start getting real wicked, Lane change. Lane type. changes, jumping yeah. in the lane, and that can be real, real difficult to even explain to the shop. Exactly. Much less fixed.
1: Hey, take our final quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Huh? Make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then, I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car into Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that can lead to big, expensive problems down the road. And the AGCO general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's AGCO's number. And the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at AGCO Automotive. AGCO, it's the place to go.
0: Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. We got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. In between tools, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. Just give us call. Our number is 291 Still got a couple of minutes if you can make it quick. We do. And you know, we were talking about straightening frames earlier before mm-hmm. the break. There is a special technique to this job, mm-hmm. it it requires some specified equipment and a lot of knowledge. By very, the- very specialized equipment, a, a wealth of information about metals how they work, how the molecules in the metals react, yep. stresses, vectors, all that kind of stuff has to be brought into it because you get one chance to straighten it properly. It's kind Correct. of like an air condition. You get one chance to fix it right. Right. And this machine has a special set of clamps that tie to the table. I call it a table. Mm-hmm. platform. That catch the vehicle, a unibody vehicle at the pinch welds. Mm-hmm. And what it does, there's four of them, so it spreads the load out around the center of the vehicle. Well, and that's the strongest point of the vehicle. Because that vehicle, you got about five or six layers of metal that are all welded together in that area and they hook to that point to move this vehicle down the assembly line when you're building it so it is the strongest part of the vehicle but one clamp is not going to do it you have to spread the load out through the entire box which is two on each side and once you get it clamped to the table then you can take and you can make your hookups and your pulls and things like that and you can move things around whereas that center stays straight right and the key to straightening without doing damage is multiple simultaneous pulls correct and if you use that method you can use a fairly light amount of pressure and get a tremendous amount of work done or you can grab this part in three four different places and put a little bit of pressure on each one sure if it'll you, walk if you understand how that metal works and how what happened when this thing got bent, right that's part of the thing you got to look at it and figure out hey what how did this thing get wrecked which way did it go in because that's the way it has to come back out, right? You yeah. have to reverse the process. And if you do that, it's sort of like when you're straightening out a piece of metal, what most people want to do is beat on the buckle sure, in the middle. Well, that all you've done there is flatten that out because that buckle is a big reinforced area. If you start beating on that, you have to put tension on two ends because when it buckled in the middle, it got shorter. Right. So you got to straighten it back out. If you have a hold on one end and tension applied to the other end and you start to draw it out, then you can assist the metal and the buckle will go back in. Exactly. The buckle is not the problem, it's the symptom of the problem. Just like in so much else, mm-hmm. in diagnosing any kind of problem on a car, you can't treat the symptom. You have to treat, treat the problem. the problem. And, of course, if something starts to tear or rip, Most likely, you're not hooked up properly. You're not distributing the load enough. Right. But you have to stop and repair that tear or rip before you can go on. Because if you keep pulling, it's going to rip in half. Right. It'll it'll actually tear it out away from the body. Mm -hmm. And then you've done no good at all. So it takes a lot of understanding of metals and how they work. And as you mentioned earlier, metal is formed into a certain position, is stamped under tremendous pressure, and welded in that position, Well, it has a memory. It wants to go back to the position it was stamped in. Correct. And if it's pushed a certain amount, elasticity will pull it back to its original position. If it's pushed past the yield point of the metal, it won't return on its own, but it still wants to go back to the original position. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of assisting it. And you do that with pressures and what they call stress relieving the metal. That's where you take a little hammer or something and you tap. You don't sit there and beat. Right. You're not making dents. You just want to tap that metal to release the stress that is in it from being bent Mm -hmm. with the tension that's pulled on it. And a lot of times they'll walk right back to where they were. You don't want to hammer it to the point you flatten it out. You don't want to put a hammer and dolly and start beating because now you're thinning the metal, which means it's spreading out, which means you've got more metal in the same spot. So it's not ever going to – you'd have to actually go in at that point and shrink the metal to bring it back to its original dimensions. But so long as you know what you're doing, and heat is rarely a part of the process, although in some cases, some cases you can heat if you know what to heat and, and how, how to much. heat and, and how, how much. You can't overheat one. Right. And that's even more critical on the newer cars because of the high strength steels they use. They have what they call HSLA, high strength low alloy, or Correct. HSS, which is high strength steels. And those are formulated in a way that they have a tremendous tremendous amount of tensile strength mm-hmm. however, if you heat that up, it's going to revert back to mild steel right, and now the part will no longer serve the function that it was entitled to well it it was most of those are uh crash related types of steels you know mm-hmm. they they're gonna react in a certain way when they get hit, and like you said, if you change the molecules in it and it doesn't react that way anymore if it gets hit again, right then you've got a problem. So you've You've got to repair it correctly. Well, some of the first places they start using the high-strength steel was like in the door intrusion beams. Uh If you ever look at one of those door intrusion beams, it's not that thick. It's not like quarter-inch steel. No. It's It's real lightweight metal, but it has, like you said, a high tensile strength. 20-gauge, maybe 18-gauge steel, but it is a HSLA, a high-strength, low-alloy steel. And once it's bent, it's bent. That's right. It has to be replaced. You can beat on that. Oh, till, till that hammer is going to bounce back into your yeah. forehead. Another place they used to use that a lot was on bumper reinforcements. Right. That was high strength part. Once that bends and kinks, it can't be straightened. That has to be replaced, right. and it has to be welded in in a very, very specific way. Specific way, because heating has to be. I mean, when you weld, you have to use heat. Sure, steel melts around two thousand degrees. So the the point of the weld is going to be two thousand degrees. And they allow for that in a design, whereas if they have three spot wells an inch apart, then that's how it has to go back. You have to drill those out and rewell those exactly the way they were. That doesn't mean run a continuous bead across it. Right. Because it doesn't mean put five spot wells in there. Because now what you have is a heat effect zone around this area that's gotten hot that's weaker than the rest of it. The manufacturers will deal with this by putting two or three layers together where they weld it. So right. it's already much stronger than it has to be. But if you don't observe the heat effect zones and you start heating this up more than it was supposed to be, then all those will connect, form a line, and you got a weak spot in the structure. Exactly. And so it's not ever going to be. So it's very, very, very involved. I know what we're talking about may be overheads of some people. Sure. Other people probably understand what we're talking about. But you have to not only know exactly what you're doing but you have to put it back exactly Exactly like it was yeah because when they build a vehicle nowadays they crash it in all these barriers and they look at how all this is reacting some parts are meant to crumple they're designed to crumple to protect something else for instance the hood of the car has two little weak areas in the middle of that hood that's in case it gets a hard enough frontal impact it'll buckle up in the center rather than come back through the windshield sure so if that cracks in that air, you can't just go in and weld a reinforcement over it you because, may say Oh well, yeah. yeah i'm gonna fix this i'm gonna reinforce it this won't ever happen again well no it won't but the hood's gonna go through the windshield and take somebody's head off sure. next time <laughs> so not only is that illegal but it just shouldn't be done exactly Hey, I see we are just about out of time. we got to start winding on up, getting ready to get on out of here. I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends and go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service and find a written review and fill it out for us. Hey, girl, we certainly appreciate it when you do that. It lets us know that we're doing a good job, that we are hitting the mark, and that you appreciate what we're doing. But it also moves us up in the rankings so that when someone types in a generic term like auto repair or whatever, we come up to the top. There you go. And the guys on the top are going to get the most clicks, there so therefore they're going to get listened to more. Which makes you more popular. There you go. And that's the name of that team. <laughs> Preceding was opinion, based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.